Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Hope you're having a good day. Lots going on in the news. The $1.9 trillion stimulus package passes in the House. Uh, Michael Regan is confirmed as EPA administrator. And World Pork Expo will return an in-person event this June at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Lots going on in the news. Today we'll be talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the latest meat export numbers. We'll talk more numbers with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. We'll look at exports. We'll look at what's going on in South America. Look ahead to planting time here in the U.S. and how the markets are reacting to all this and uh, plenty of other outside news impacting markets as well. We'll talk about that with Arlen Suderman. And Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub, will join us. We're going to talk about uh, the dry conditions in much of the country. We'll talk about that, but some of those areas getting some relief uh, with some with a big storm moving across uh, parts of the country with some precipitation. We'll talk about that with Dennis Toddy a little bit later on in today's program. But let's start it off with an update on the National Rural Health uh, System. And joining us is Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President with the National Rural Health Association. Brock, good to talk with you again. Um, with vaccinations, coronavirus vaccinations now taking place, uh, how is the National Rural Health Association uh, viewing how it's going throughout the rural health care system as far as um, getting those vaccinations out to people? Well, thank you, Mike. It's great to be on your show today. Um, I am pleased to say that vaccination rates in rural communities are rising. Uh, we have seen um, the, not only the availability of the vaccine in rural communities being um, uh, present, but also uh, the uptake of uh, individuals willing to get their uh, shots uh, has been uh, increasing as well. Of course, we also kind of monitor what's going on with vaccine hesitancy, but I think as this uh, uh, program rolls out, uh, people will become more comfortable as they see their friends and neighbors uh, getting vaccinated. So the supply is there. You're getting enough vaccine in throughout the rural health care system to meet the demand so far? Um, so far, it, it seems, uh, and, and of course, this is all uh, uh, based on different states' uh, rollout in terms of their prioritization. But we've seen states like Missouri and uh, Kansas that have uh, prioritized in uh, rural areas and uh, they have uh, seen uh, higher amounts in some cases where I've heard uh, folks from the urban areas are traveling out to the rural areas to get their shots. So, uh, so I think it's kind of a shift in some locations uh, in terms of what we're used to seeing at least. What are we seeing as far as uh, coronavirus uh, cases, uh, hospitalizations? Well, uh, some great news on that this morning, Mike. We've seen the incident rate uh, of new disease uh, falling just uh, quite a bit since uh, uh, mid-January. Um, and uh, along with that has been the decrease in the number of deaths from this disease, uh, just a steep uh, decline. So we, we attribute this to, uh, to two things. Uh, uh, first of all is, of course, 
the vaccine uh, has become more prevalent, so it's protecting people against disease. Uh, there's obviously a not large number of people uh, in rural areas that have already had the disease, so there's some natural protection. And then, of course, some of our uh, public health measures like wearing masks and social distancing um, has helped to reduce uh, this this uh, uh, spread. So I think uh, we're in seeing some really good uh, results from all three of those uh, 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 features. Yep, we've got a ways to go, but it looks like we're turning the corner. That's great news. We're talking with Brock Slayball with the National Rural Health Association. Brock, this uh, $1.9 trillion stimulus package now headed to the president for his signature. Is there anything in there to help uh, rural hospitals? Uh, yes, uh, we were pleased to see uh, at the uh, insistence of several senators, uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, uh, is particularly who uh, inserted an $8.5 billion uh, addition to the provider relief funds for uh, rural uh, providers, uh, both hospitals and clinics. Uh, so we'll be uh, watching that as uh, Health and Human Services begins to roll out uh, those uh, those dollars uh, for sustaining uh, rural health uh, uh, programs across the country. Uh, it is, and you're right, Mike, it's a sweeping plan. Uh, in addition to, of course, the, public, uh, the provider relief funds I mentioned, it includes a lot of public health uh, funding for vaccine uh, distribution and uh, making sure that we have the personnel needed uh, all over the country, not just urban, but also rural places uh, for vaccine administration as we start to ramp up with increased supply. And where are we, uh, Brock? We came into the pandemic with several rural hospitals uh, kind of on the edge financially, and we were losing some as we were seeing them close. Uh, what's the such situation now as we're starting to come out of the pandemic? Well, uh, 2020 saw 20 hospitals closed in rural communities, which, of course, was very unfortunate. Uh, so far in 2021, uh, uh, through now almost the middle of March, we've had no hospital closures in rural communities. Um, I think that this is due to increased volume due to the pandemic. And then uh, secondarily, some of this uh, funding that's come through from Washington uh, in terms of provider relief funds um, has sustained um, some of these organizations that might otherwise have found themselves in peril. And what do you see moving forward as we try to attract doctors and, and healthcare workers to rural America? Well, this is going to remain a persistent problem. Uh, workforce, of course, is one of the uh, big problems that we have to overcome, and uh, we're working, of course, with Congress on that. Uh, that feature. I think that also we need to be uh, very vigilant on our future response to uh, spread of disease and, and making sure that uh, our rural communities are kept safe uh, and that uh, we can respond really quick when something like this happens again. And of course, that comes back to workforce and funding, uh, making sure we have adequate numbers of physicians, uh, physician assistants, nurse practitioners. Uh, nurses in rural areas to meet the demands that we see. Well, Brock, thank you so much. I mean, I think back over the past year, we've been talking and you've been keeping us up to date and I think where we were uh, a year ago to where we are now, finally starting to see some light at the end of this tunnel. Uh, thank you for the update. We appreciate it. 
You're welcome, Mike. Great to be with you. Take care. Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President with the National Rural Health Association. Yeah, we're we're not out of the woods yet, but certainly making some uh, real progress with the vaccine and and the the cases, the numbers, hospitalizations, deaths going down from the uh, coronavirus. All right, coming up later, we're going to talk some markets. We're going to talk some weather. But up next, we'll talk meat exports with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We have the latest numbers. We'll go over those and kind of project ahead for 2021 as well. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, for the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. He joins us now with a look at the February numbers. Does it look like there's too much change from January? Yes, the index has been very, very constant since approximately uh, November. One thing that has changed in the last few months is the fact that the index of current conditions is much higher now than the index of future expectations. And when you look at some of the questions related to the index of current conditions, it's pretty obviously to see what's on people's minds. One of the questions we ask related to current conditions is, do you think financial performance this year is going to be better than last year? And we know that 2020 was a pretty good income year for a lot of farmers. Uh, 37% think that 2021 is going to be even better uh, than 2020. And so that's certainly optimism uh, when you're looking at the next 12 months. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. 
For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Again, as I mentioned earlier, good news from the National Pork Producers Council. World Pork Expo will be held, an in-person event. Again, coming up this summer, June 9, 10, and 11 at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Looking forward to that. I'll be there broadcasting uh, from World Pork Expo. We'll tell you more about it tomorrow and in the days ahead. But uh, exciting news as we take another step back uh, to uh, normal. Getting back to some in-person events. All right. Joining us now is Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Uh, you have the latest numbers for us. Uh, how did we start off 2021 with our meat exports? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Uh, yes, we started off about as we expected. Um, we, uh, we saw the beef side come in about steady with a year ago. Uh, which was a fairly good number a year ago. And, and pork, while down about 9%, uh, actually came in a little better than we thought it would because, uh, as expected, China was down a bit, but we saw some of the other markets uh, step up. So uh, all in all, I'd say uh, we're off to a pretty good start. So with this slowly returning, getting back to where we were before the uh, the virus, still a ways to go, but uh, are you seeing uh, things pick up in our markets around the world as far as them getting back and coming back from the virus? Yes, I think it varies, but yeah, I think you could say as, in a, as a general statement, uh, Asia is definitely coming back, uh, certain parts of Asia, uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, China, uh, Vietnam, uh, you know, they're much closer to normal than, than before, and uh, uh, there are virtually no lockdowns in those areas. Uh, Korea and Japan are two largest markets in the region, still have some lockdowns, but I think the worst is behind us. Uh, you know, Korea is getting ready really to get to a position where the restaurants, for the most part, will be open soon. Uh, Japan still is in a red lockdown for the major metro areas, uh, Tokyo and the surrounding suburbs, for example. And I think, I think part of that's an abundance of caution to make sure their numbers keep going down with new cases, so that they can, uh, you know, get their Olympics scheduled. Uh, the latest on that is that the Olympics will happen, probably without fans, though. But. Uh, this is their major focus. So I think in general, the numbers are coming down. So the trend lines are really good in both Korea and Japan. The rest of the world still, ha still has some work to do. Latin America in particular, still, still uh, Mexico, Central and South America, still pretty much uh, some large degree of lockdown at food service, but our numbers are pretty good. And, uh, you know, Central America is one that stands out. We're up 56% on pork to Central America, and beef was up 7 or 8%. I think this is a pretty good indicator that uh, while we have a long way to go for recovery, the, the recovery process has started. Demand is part of it. Getting the product to those markets, that's another part of it, and we have some challenges there, as we've talked about recently, uh, quite a backup on at West Coast ports. What's the latest on that? 
Yeah, that, that's a good point, Mike. Uh, you know, we're, we're pretty optimistic on the year, but but when you have something like this going on, it makes you pause a bit. And, and so the latest is that uh, we are seeing congestion at the West Coast ports. It started primarily with Long Beach, and we actually had a, a call, a webinar with Long Beach earlier in the week with the port, and uh, they currently have about 25 or 26 vessels uh, that are still backed up and can't get into the port. Uh, that might sound like a lot, but it's actually better than it was two weeks ago when they had 35. So they're making a little bit of progress, but there's still a backup. But long story short, um, this backup's been building for several months, and uh, it's now pretty much up and down the whole West Coast, and we're also hearing reports of uh, cargo being rerouted to other ports, you know, the Gulf, uh, the East Coast, and uh, there's reports of, you know, it's just a matter of time before it cascades through the whole system. Um, so what's driving this? I think uh, I think there's a lot of demand for west to eastbound routes out of Asia, you know, mainly China coming back to North America. So uh, the, the demand for containers coming that direction is pretty large, uh, much larger than normal. And... Uh, you can't combine that with some of the uh, employee challenges around COVID and vaccination schedules and all this at the ports. Uh, that, that's a couple of the reasons contributing to this. The good news is the port earlier in the week when we had our webinar reported that uh, they have a very aggressive vaccination schedule for uh, the Port of Long Beach in particular. So hopefully that issue with the employee uh, absenteeism will be improving soon. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, what's the labor situation at processing plants, and how is that impacting our ability to uh, meet this uh, global demand for meat? Yeah, I think I think the um, the situation, of course, is is vastly improved from where we were, you know, a year ago in the spring. Uh, but still, you know, got to remember that. These, these plants uh, had, you know, challenges with labor before COVID. Um, and I think here we are trying to get into a post-COVID world, and, and I think there's still challenges for labor. And, of course, it varies by plant. It varies by region of the country. But I think in general you could say that, that these plants have done a wonderful job in rebounding. And I think that the labor situation may be improving to some extent. But, you know, there's still a shortage of some of the, higher, uh, more labor-intensive products. You know, some of these uh, product uh, specifications for Asia, for example, uh, you could take a trim single rib belly on the pork side or a, uh, a barbecue karubi uh, plate on the beef side. These are very high uh, labor-intensive jobs that in a lot of cases these plants still do not have labor for. So I wouldn't say we're, we're out of the woods yet, but, uh, you know, I think things uh, – uh, and, of course, with the vaccination schedules, you know, the, the processing plants are definitely deemed key and essential. So uh, this will be a positive in trying to get some uh, a more stability in the labor force going forward. So that's a good thing. So I guess as you look ahead to 21, uh, this year has a lot of promise. Uh, obviously, still hurdles and obstacles. There always are. But the vaccine and the vaccination efforts going on around the world that seems to be a key to moving things forward i think without a doubt uh, it's going to bring some stability into uh, the consumer chain uh, not to mention the supply chain and uh you know we're even in the depths of uh, 
COVID before the, the vaccines were rolled out. We're seeing a lot of good things. Uh, you know, on the beef side, Korea was up 20% here this last month. China continues to be a real star on the, on the beef side. Uh, pork side, you know, Japan, Central America, South America, Philippines, uh, we're all seeing dramatic growth in these countries. So, yeah, there, you know, I think demand and uh, the re- the, the, the reformation of the demand in a COVID, post-COVID environment looks very positive. And as, you, as we talked about earlier in the interview, if we can just get it to them, uh, we're going to be setting up pretty well, I think. What are you hearing about these reports of African swine fever uh, showing up again in, in parts of China? Yeah, that, that's another uh, issue that we've uh, been tracking with our team over there, as a lot of other people have as well. And, um, I, I think it's it's safe to say that uh, that uh, the animal health disease issue uh, is still very much uh, an issue for them. Uh, African swine fever is still there, as you said, but we're hearing anecdotal reports of PEDV and, and you know some other diseases as well. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think. On the one hand, there's a real concerted effort in China to expand and repopulate. Uh, but on the other side, I think there's uh, probably more hurdles than we anticipated. So I, I think I think there's still deficit pork. We thought that before these reports. Uh, and there's still going to be a big destination for pork globally. But I think their, uh, their anticipated return to where they were pre-COVID is, is definitely a couple of years off, at least at this point. Okay. It's Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, as always, good to talk with you. We'll talk again next month. Uh, go over the latest numbers again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk with Dennis Toddy with the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. Take a look at the drought monitor map and uh, dry weather concerns we have in parts of this country, although some of those areas getting some uh, precipitation uh, this week. We'll talk about that. Up next, we'll talk markets with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. A lot to go over. Not only do we want to look at the South American situation, what's happening there, we'll get an update on exports, but also want to look at... Uh, things like this stimulus package. What does that mean for the outside markets and how could that impact uh, commodity markets as well? We'll take a look at that uh, bigger financial picture coming up. That's next with Arlen Suderman. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. 
You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Snow and rain fell in the northern plains and belt over the past 24 hours. Heavy as far north as expected. Action will pick up in the south today through the weekend with heavy amounts seen in the central and southern plains and southern Midwest. Ethanol production for the week ending March 5th was up 10.48% from the prior week and down 10.15% from the prior year. Stocks were down 1.58% from the prior week and down 9.3% from the prior year. Estimated corn use in production was 94.77 million bushels. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading two and a fraction higher at 536 and a quarter. The July contract up two and a fraction at 526 and a half cent. For soybeans, the May contract up three and a fraction at 1413 and three quarters. The July contract up four cents at 1402 and a fraction. For wheats, the Chicago wheat May contract down 11 at 641 and three Three quarters. Kansas City wheat may down 12 and a fraction at 604 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat may down seven and a half cent at 633 and three quarters. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start today following yesterday's rounds of light to moderate business. Asking prices for cattle left on show lists are around $115 per hundredweight in the south and $182 plus in the north. No bids have been renewed as of yet. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. Looking at livestock futures on the Board of Trade, the April live cattle contract trading 12 cents higher at 118.90, the June contract up 20 at 119.17 for feeders the March contract down 40 at 135.80, April up 2 at 141.72. For lean hogs, the June contract trading 95 cents higher at 98.35, the May contract up $1.37 at 92.37. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we are joined now by Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Arlen, let's, I want to start kind of big picture here uh, with the passage of the $1.9 trillion stimulus package. It's headed to the president's desk. Uh, there's some good in it, some bad in it. 
uh, in my opinion, and depending on your point of view, which there's more of, good or bad, but it's there, there's a lot there, it's a lot of money. Um, it seems like one of the messages from this is that there doesn't seem to be much concern right now about expanding the national debt <laughs> that continues to grow. We're spending a lot of money. Um, how do outside markets, and then we'll bring it down to commodity markets, how do outside markets view this financial direction we are headed, and, and what's the impact of that moving forward? Yeah, excellent question, because I think it has big implications. Uh, Washington is doing what Washington does, and uh, it's not just Washington, but it's governments around the world that are doing it, and uh, we're seeing a real concerning pattern here. Um, but basically, uh, this bill's going <clears> to <throat> – well, let me put it this way. Wall Street loves it. The markets love it, because the markets are very near-term oriented, the here and now, what are you doing for me now? And what they see is an injection of money into the economy, A, and B, we know a lot of this money based on surveying that has been done by various organizations, a lot of the money will also end up in the markets as well. So near-term Wall Street loves it. Um, it's inflationary in nature, and uh, so in the money, and so therefore that attracts money into the markets, but some of that money is this money from Congress itself, as well as the money coming from the Federal Reserve necessary to back up the spending. And so from a standpoint of Wall Street, it is positive for the markets, um, the broader markets at whole. So short term, they like it, but then, but I said, like I said, the longer term is this huge debt, but I guess, uh, uh, I guess they're not worried about that right now. Yeah, the bigger concern for me is we've become a microwave culture. What will you do for me now? Uh, give me a pill to feel better now. Help me to feel better now. Give me the cash I need now. Um, there are people out there who are struggling and suffering. I don't want to diminish that. Um, certainly that is the case. But when you look at the big picture, the national picture, uh, the economy is flush with cash. M1 money supply up 74% year on year. We've never seen any type of expansion like this. Um, when you look at some of the surveys that have been done about how the money has been spent, how the money is intended to be spent for this next package of $1,400 checks, we have basically added a bill to every man, woman, and child in America of $5,500 for this package. You can even argue it's as high as $5,900. And it's very popular with the electorate as a whole. It's popular because they're going to get a check for $1,400, never mind the fact that they've added $5,500, let's say, to their bill for the future. Now, our national debt is $28 trillion. We don't have this $1.95 trillion, so it's going to be added to the debt, pushing it up to $30 trillion. Um, every 1% raise in interest rates, because it's not a matter of when or how or whether, it's a matter of when, those interest rates will go up. So if you increase interest rates just 1% on that national debt, it will equal half the non-military non-discretionary spending 
or excuse me, discretionary spending in our federal budget. And so that means higher taxes, which tend to be a drag on the economy, a drag on each person's available money in their pocketbook, etc. Um, so it is a price. And what happens when we increase debt is that money has to be borrowed, so you have to have enough people there willing to buy those debt securities. And as demand for debt securities goes down, interest rates have to go up in order to attract more buyers of that debt. So interest rates go up to attract more buyers, but the central banks want to keep interest rates low to reduce the impact on the fiscal budget and also to keep from being a drag on the economy. So the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, uh, the Bank of Japan, other central banks then pick up their asset purchases, debt securities, in order to provide demand for that debt. What are they essentially doing? Monetizing debt, printing money to buy our debt to keep interest rates under control. And so that's why we see the expansion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet as they buy more and more assets. Right now they're buying $120 billion in assets per month. And uh, that money flows into the economy as well. A recent survey done of uh, people, what they plan on doing with their $1,400 checks, a large portion people said they're going to put into the markets. One way or the other, there's various avenues to do that. In fact, those 25 to 34 years of age said they would put 50% of their money into the markets from this next government check another big infusion of cash into the markets. Add it all together, it's over $100 billion expected to come into the markets just from these $1,400 checks going out. Wow. Talking with uh, Arlen Suderman with StoneX. All right, uh, what are we seeing with exports right now? How are they looking? Uh, exports overall have, have kind of slowed down. Soybeans have definitely slowed down because South American supplies are available. Uh, corn is picking up. Um, I thought what was really interesting on Monday's export inspection report is that we saw a back upward adjustment of the previous week's total from 64 million bushels of corn shipped, over 80 million bushels shipped. So over a 16 million bushel increase in just one week. I looked up where those other 16 million bushels were going to see if they were going to China. They were not. They were going to a lot of non-China destinations primarily. Uh, that says that non-China demand has not yet been rationed of any significance, that it remains strong. The question is, what will China take? They are starting to pick up the pace of shipments of what they had purchased. Uh, we expect that to pick up the pace even more as we get over the next 60 days or so. Um, so that should keep export shipments strong. They need to average about 57 million bushels per week between now and the end of August to hit USDA's current target. I think they're going to exceed that. On the other hand, soybeans, we've shipped so many soybeans already, they only need to average about 9.5 million bushels per week in order to hit USDA's target, and they've been in the 20 to 30 million range uh, on a weekly basis here lately. They need to slow down dramatically. Brazilian supplies are very cheap right now, uh, albeit delayed. One of the interesting thing is, is we've seen such a slowdown because of delay in shipments out of Brazil and soybeans arriving in China. 
that they are taking downtime, their processors are taking downtime for maintenance, but yet we're seeing a decline in soy meal prices. That's a big concern because that means we have a decrease in demand for soy meal due to the uh, resurgence of African swine fever and their herd there. Hmm. Uh, what are you hearing out of South America? We've heard some things about some quality concerns there. Quality concerns are exist, but they're not widespread. Now, we are seeing some quality problems, and they're getting shipped to the port. And what we're being told in Brazil is exporters are just looking the other way and shipping them to China. So we'll see if China balks when they start arriving and what impact that has. But that is happening. Um, most of those concerns are in eastern Meta Grosso. Uh, where they've got over 30 inches of rain over the past couple of weeks. Uh, relatively small area, so to speak, considering Meta Grosso is 1.3 times the size of Texas overall. Um, they are making slow progress. We're seeing that uh, localized heavy thunderstorms are expected to continue across much of Brazil over the next two weeks, but on a more scattered basis, which will allow some progress to occur with the late soybean harvest and the late planting safrina corn. Further south in Argentina, uh, it continues to be dry. We saw the uh, uh, one of the major exchanges down there lower their soybean production estimate down to 45 million metric tons today. That's down about 4 million metric tons from their previous estimate, down about 2.5 from USDA's estimate. Uh, we do expect some scattered rains across the region to come in next week, probably about the middle of the week kind of the haves and have-nots. Some will get relief, others will not. Um, they keep pushing it back into forecasts and, and reducing the amounts. So overall, we're seeing declining uh, production estimates from Argentina. Well, lots going on for the markets to react to. Arlen, as always, thanks for keeping us up to date. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Well, so they've had they're having weather challenges in South America, too much rain in Brazil, not enough in uh, Argentina. They've been dry, but we've had and do have some dry areas here in the U.S. as we head towards uh, planting time. Although some of those areas this week getting some precipitation, looks like more maybe this weekend. We'll go over all that with Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub, as we take a look at that drought monitor map and uh, how this next week or so might impact that as we head to spring planting time. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. 
We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe... Someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Greg Dowd, former U.S. Chief Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative, you were in on the negotiations for the Phase 1 trade deal with China. Uh, what's your assessment of where that stands now, and what do you see ahead as far as trade with China? What I see going forward is a lot more volatility. I'm reminded of all the criticism we got that none of this was going to amount to anything, and we knew it would, and we negotiated some 57 different structural changes in our trading relationship. It was 33 negotiating sessions over the course of a year, so we met almost once a week for a year. They fixed, uh, Mike, about, I would say 52 or 53 of them are done. Before we started the negotiation, we had about 1,500 facilities in the U.S. eligible to export our ag products to China. Today, we're well over 4,000 facilities in the U.S. that are eligible to export their products now. And I think that really speaks to where this relationship is headed. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Everyday DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. 
But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub. And Dennis uh, was going to talk with, about the uh, drought monitor map and these growing concerns of dry weather. And then now I guess we're going to talk about those areas getting some precipitation. So maybe we should have done this sooner. You know, we, we always used to talk about when I was in South Dakota, the best way to end a drought was to have a drought meeting. And then we could make it rain. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you you really are on 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 case there that there is there has been growing dryness issues uh, throughout the plains. Uh, this week's drought monitor map, we did uh, increase uh, the coverage of some of the more severe areas up in the northern plains. Uh, we got you know quite a bit of D two severe drought in the Dakotas. And then the other, the rest of the Midwest, there was a big expansion of the D0 abnormally dry, recognizing some recent dryness. Uh, but you are right, there is a big storm that's bringing some good and bad to parts of those areas. Yeah, let's take a look at the good and the bad. Obviously, the good is getting some precipitation, but there will be some challenges for some along with it. And, and that's, you know, that's the, with the thing we used to... Uh, hear from the ranchers up there is that we're starting to get you know heavily into calving season obviously and um, you know eating moisture so you've got the trade-offs uh, right now you know there's we had some snow through that area uh, from Colorado up through Nebraska South Dakota and into Minnesota yesterday uh, not major amounts but decent amounts of snowfall this next system coming out of Colorado will start dropping some really impressive amounts of snowfall uh, starting later Friday going through the weekend and then working its way through uh, through you know through kind of Nebraska and towards towards the Midwest uh, as in the early part of the week uh, we know right now that front range uh, western you know western plains areas kind of that Wyoming Colorado Nebraska part of South Dakota, are likely to get some some major amounts of snowfall. Uh, people should check their local forecast for amounts. But we're talking, you know, one to two feet of snow or and then more up in the mountains. Uh, to the southeast of that, uh, you know, it's kind of getting to the central plains and over in the Midwest. We're looking at some some very uh, significant water in those areas. You know, we're looking at amounts of, you know, some of the models over the next several days are talking several inches of rainfall related to that. So you can kind of see the situation you're dealing with. You've got rainfall, central to southern plains, and then where it's cold enough, and, and that's going to be the, the big issue is where is it cold enough that it shifts over to snow versus being cold rain. We like the moisture. We're going to get along with this because that's going to help. It's not going to fix all the drought issues in the, in the large areas, but 
we do have some some drought issues that we are going to be able to help alleviate with this. But when you've got calving, when you've got, you know, I don't think we have too much, we have crop doing anything yet, but especially livestock issues and human issues are going to be really tough with some of the system. Could there be in places some uh, flooding if they get a, uh, that much rain in a short period of time? Uh, most definitely. And uh, the National Weather Service already has flood watches out uh, for areas, I believe, from Kansas through Missouri uh, are the place, you know, the places where we're expecting the most rainfall. At this point, they've got some flash flood watches out. Uh, so people should watch locally there and then see how far east it goes because, you know, as you get over into Illinois, southern Indiana, and parts of Kentucky a couple weeks ago, there was some pretty good flooding down there due to some heavier rainfall. So there's there's still water in that area. If you put, you know, as even a couple inches of rainfall, which is very possible in some of those areas on top of what um, on top of the wetter soils, then flooding could be a problem. You know, and then we start thinking about what happens after this, how much dry out we could get. You know, they're, they're going to get into some problems with plant. You know, may have some problems with planting down in that area due to wetness. Um, Given how dry soils are, I don't, I don't think there'll be too many wide-scale problems with this in given time before we start getting heavily into planting, I think. Certainly a storm to watch as we uh, go into and through the weekend. Uh, we've been talking about South America, wet in Brazil, dry in Argentina. Uh, what are you seeing as far as their models are concerned? Um, you're right on. Uh, that's kind of what we're seeing, too, from the USDA reports, that uh, most of Argentina is being hot and dry with a little bit of wetness in the northern areas of Argentina. Uh, Brazil, some of the wetness is slowing down uh, a bit of, uh, of, of, you know, of harvest progress and second planting progress. Uh, but, you know, conditions I'm seeing with USDA reports are saying variable conditions, but generally pretty good in that area as it stands right now. Where are we with La Nina? Okay, uh, that's the you know the the, the you know the fifty thousand dollar or hundred million dollar questions, depending on how you, you want to look at what's going to happen this year. We are uh, there's not really been too much change in what we expect from the La Nina. Uh, it's starting to weaken a bit, which was expected. Uh, likelihood is that the La Nina does weaken. Um, as the spring goes on so that we're into neutral conditions, which is means not in La Nina or El Nino conditions as we get into the main part of the growing season. Uh, so that leaves us in a, in a bit of a lurch, being able to understand uh, what we can say about this summer. So we kind of have to fall back on, on, on some other pieces of information that aren't as, as helpful for us as La Nina. It does look like uh, there's a, a, better than average chance La Nina does come back as we go into late fall, early winter next year. Um, the, the, you know, none of the models all seem to be pointing to that same kind of thing. Not as strong as it was this time around, but it is, it does give us a, a little bit of, of potential to, to look at uh, in the longer term in the way it outlooks. So, you know, what does that say for us for our growing season right now? Um, we still have, you know, getting back to our first question about dryness, we still have some ongoing dryness concerns. Fortunately, this next storm is going to help us uh, alleviate some of those in the near term. All right, Dennis, thanks for the overview. Always good to talk with you. Appreciate it. Great talking to you folks. Have a good weekend.
Take care. Dennis Toddy, director of the USDA Midwest Climate Hub, and we wrap it up on that note with AOA for today. Hope you'll join us again right here tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.